So Mark 11 is a cool chapter. It's a triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's Jesus coming in the last six days of his life here on earth. We won't talk about a lot of that until we get to the Easter season. But he does three things, three major things. He curses a fig tree, and then he cleanses the temple, and then he's challenged by the authorities on his authority. Can you imagine that Jesus' authority is being challenged? Like, hey, you can't do that. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke this world into existence. And so we're going to pick up at what happens when the tree gets withered. And this conversation that Jesus has is with his disciples and he's realizing now he's going to be turning it over to them he kind of he needs them to start getting it you know it's like passing the baton a little bit and so let's go to mark the 11th chapter read 23 i think 25 as they passed by in the morning they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed was, has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whatever you stand praying, forgive. Just hang on to that for a moment. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can operate in forgiveness and thankfulness. We thank you, Father, for, uh, Lord, enlightening our hearts, opening our hearts, and, and being the person that you need us to be. Walk with us. Work with us. Thank you for choosing us. And, Lord, help us, Father, Lord, to go into the highways and byways and compel people to come. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. You know, it's an elementary message today, but it's that you need to hang on to, one, because some of you have never been maybe taught this, two, because if you've been taught it or taught it today, you need to teach somebody else this. It's a message that when I was in elementary school, I went to a parochial Catholic grade school, St. Stanislaus. All of our, my brothers and sisters went to that school. Our mother went to that school, okay? And so there was history there. And when I learned in maybe second or third grade from Sister Jean, the nun who taught me, the three R's, writing, reading, and arithmetic. Now, you may have caught it already, and some of you might think, yeah, I need to write those three R's down. Only reading starts with R. <laughs> writing and arithmetic don't. So I went home and told my mom. I said, Mom, I learned the three R's today. And she said, writing, reading, and arithmetic. I said, yeah, but like they don't start with R. You know, writing starts with W and arithmetic starts with A and only reading starts with R. But yeah, that's, that's not the point. The point is if you can read, if you can write, and if you can do math, you'll succeed in life. You can, that's the whole point behind that that message, Mark, and she'd call me Marky. And, and so I want to tell you that same thing today. Spiritually, if you get these three points today, although they seem elementary, they'll take you really far spiritually. You'll be really successful spiritually. You'll be able to help other people. So Janie and I would, would kind of relay that to our kids in some shape or form. If you can read, if you can write, if you can do arithmetic, you're going to succeed in life. It's just very generic. It's very elementary, but it's something that you'll 
will do one or all three every day. This is the same thing. This message today in its elementary form is something that you should be able to do each and every day. And Jesus shows this to his disciples as he's getting ready this last week of his life, uh, physical life, to leave this earth and hand it over to him so that the current church can go on. And apparently they did it right because the church is still going 2,000 years later. And the first one, he speaks four words. Point number one, have faith in God. I like that statement, have faith in God. We see that. We hear that. We know that. We understand that. We, we say, okay, have faith in God. And sometimes we just throw it up there and see if it'll stick on the wall or not. When Janie and I were very young and got married, we, had a, we bought a townhome. And at the townhome, we got it, possession of it probably a month or six weeks before we got married. And so we went over to the townhome and we were painting. And both of our mothers are really good cooks, just amazing cooks, okay? And so... Um, uh, we painted the townhome, and, and uh, I was getting hungry, and, and Janie was hungry, and, and she, she said, let's run to the store. Uh, I, do you like spaghetti? I said, oh, I love, like, I'm not Italian, but I think Italian food is my absolute favorite. We love all kinds of pasta, and back in Omaha, where we're from, there's these um, Italian steakhouses. They serve pasta on the side. And just it's just amazing. Just the pasta up there, they call it Little Italy. Just a wonderful. So I'm like, yeah, I love pasta. And so we go to the store and she buys the ingredients that she thinks uh, her mom would put in the spaghetti sauce and she's cooking up the, the spaghetti and uh, and she you know she throws it against the wall. I'm like, why are you throwing it against the wall? Well, you know, if it doesn't stick, it's good. Or if it does stick, it's I don't know the whole process. My mom never threw spaghetti against the wall. It's like, we just painted the wall. Don't throw the spaghetti against the wall. And then she used uh, some sauce that wasn't her mom's recipe. And we started eating the spaghetti. And we looked at each other. And she says, this is horrible. And in my mind, I'm thinking, dear God, I am going to shrivel up and die. Like, I need so many calories a day. If I have to eat this food for long, I'm going to die. And she said, this isn't good, is it? And I said, no. <laughs> you want to go to Burger King? I said, yeah. Let's go. We hadn't been married yet, and I don't want to go back on my commitment. We're going to get, but I, I need some food to eat. I think sometimes we throw faith against the wall and hope it sticks. Have faith in God. Like, it's cliche. Jesus here is saying something very sound. Have faith in God. These are Jesus' words, red letter. We have to take this. And about 10 or 20 years ago, the, the dairy industry in California and in Wisconsin got together because they noticed milk sales were going down and down and down and down. And I'm from the old school. I really think milk is still good for you. I don't know if it is or not. I just know that I've been taught growing up, drink your milk. Anybody ever been to, was taught that growing up? Drink your milk. It's good for you. Well, apparently somebody didn't think it was good, and the milk sales were going down, and the milk industry got the slogan, two words and a question mark. Anybody know what it is? Got milk. Got milk. 
For the next 10 years, every year, their, their business went up 40%. It was a, it's a great slogan, got milk. And sometimes we say, got faith, but no, it's really have faith. There's a difference. Got, make is a, got milk or got faith is a consumption. It's something I want to consume. Have faith is something that I use, I possess. The word have means in possession of. Do you have faith? Why? Because if you have faith, you have Jesus. If you've got faith, you're just using Jesus. And Jesus doesn't want to be used. Jesus wants to be in partnership with you. So the word have there is I have faith. I have faith. And Janie, by the way, let me bring, bring back. She is the best cook I've ever met right now. I'm going to tell you. She, like our parents, my, our mothers were amazing cooks. Janie, I, she... She is an amazing, amazing cook right now. So, but she doesn't throw spaghetti against the wall anymore, it's, which I'm glad because I leave a mark on the wall and then we got to clean it up. And <laughs> yeah, and don't use tomato soup for your sauce. That's not what you're supposed to do. She bought tomato soup, a thing of spaghetti, and we had Kool-Aid unsweetened with no sugar. And so we, that, that was our dinner that day. And it's like, Oh, no. I, I mean, I like to eat. Oh, no. I'm going to die. I was really concerned as a 19-year-old. <sighs> Have faith in God. Have, possess. It means to be in possession of. It means to own. So we don't own God, but we, own, we have ownership and faith. We have faith because we have the Son of God that lives in us. When we become Christ's followers, the Bible says that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave now lives within us. It's a habitat. So now we have. I have, I have this faith. Faith is the Greek word pistos. It means he, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I have something that I can believe in without seeing. I don't see it yet, but I believe it. The word now is a present participle, which means I have to have this faith not only today, I have to have it every day. I had it yesterday, but I'm going to need it again today. I have it today, but now I'm going to need it again tomorrow. But that's a good thing because my faith grows my relationship with Jesus Christ. Or if I have faith today, I'm growing in Christ. If I have faith tomorrow, I'm growing in Christ. If I had faith yesterday and it becomes a testimony, do you know what God did for me yesterday? Yesterday. You know what God did for me last year? You know what God did for me a decade ago? He'll do it again. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. So that's important to know because now it becomes, uh, it becomes universal that God's not a, uh, uh, you know, he, he doesn't, uh, he's not a respecter of person. And so if he did it for me, he'll do it for Marvin. If he did it for Marvin, he'll do it for Nicole. If he did it for Nicole, he'll do it for somebody. He'll do it for boy. He'll do it for each and every one of us. But we have to have faith. And if we have faith, we have to have faith in something. Everybody has faith in something. Some people have faith in not believing. Some people have faith in believing. Some people have faith in this or have faith in that. Jesus said four words, not real, like it's very elementary. Have faith in what? Have faith in God. And that word God is Elohim. It's plural. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because sometimes you just need the Holy Spirit to deal with you. Sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom or to give you knowledge or to give you understanding. This is why every morning when you wake up, just say, hey, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Would you fill me full of your wisdom? Would you fill me full of your knowledge? Would you give me understanding? I need to have faith in God. And sometimes, like, you got to go, you know, big time. Lord, only you can do this. 
I've got faith in God. Like, I, maybe I don't even understand it fully, but I have faith in God. That's the beauty of faith is you don't have to have it figured out. Like, I'm not an electrician, but I know where the light switch is. Flip it up. Light comes on. Hmm, praise God. Flip it down. Like, around here, what do we say? We don't say turn on, turn off. We say cut on, cut off. I never understood that. But I'm in. Like, I found myself the other day saying, hey, did you cut that switch off? I always think cutting with a knife or cutting with scissors. But around here we cut. We don't turn. But, which would make sense, too, because you're not turning that switch. You're just lifting up the lever and pushing it down. If something goes wrong with electric, I call an electrician. Or I call somebody else that knows what's going on. I don't know anything about it, so I call somebody. Listen, you don't have to have everything figured out, church. You just have to know who does. And he's on the other side. He's in the heavenlies. He, he's making sure that it's going to be taken care of. But why? Jesus says, have faith in God. If I have faith in God, that everything's going to be all right, then everything's going to be all right. And if it doesn't work out to my pleasure, as long as it works out to God's pleasure, then I'm still all right because I'm a child of his and he loves me. Because not everything's going to work out the way I want it. We all have loved ones that pass on. We all have jobs that maybe laid us off. We all have things that maybe don't work out. That doesn't make you a failure. What makes us a failure is if we stop having faith in God. And if we continue to have faith in God, then everything's going to be all right because God looks out for his own. Romans tells us that now we can start calling him Abba, Father, Daddy. Oh, that's a good feeling, isn't it? It really is a grandson or a granddaughter, a young child crawling up on your lap and just, oh, just sitting there with you, just, just holding your hand, just playing with you. Two oldest grandsons are in service today, and I love it when they're in service because sometimes it's like, yeah, thumbs up, Brady. It's like they don't look enthused, but they're jumping up and down on the inside. Like, oh, this is so cool. I see them. I can take their pulse every now and then. Are you breathing? Yeah, Poppy, I'm alive. Oh, good. It's that generation, but then they're jacked up on the inside because later on, today or tomorrow or this week, we're going to talk about a video game and Brady's eyes are going to light up. Oh, Poppy, let me explain it to you. It's going to be amazing. But see, that's the heart of a father or a grandfather. When you come into church and you start to express your worship to the Lord, however you express it, maybe you sit down, maybe you stand up, maybe you raise your hands, maybe you don't, maybe you kneel, maybe you, maybe you cry, maybe you laugh. But God's in heaven just excited because you are engaged in faithful worship to him. Jesus said, have faith in God. Just have faith in God. He goes on to say then that if we're asking that we should pray, and then that we should believe, and then that we'll receive. It goes again to elementary math. It's just like one plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. Four, four, four plus four equals eight. It's just, it's elementary. But Jesus is basically saying, hey, if you ask, if you, if you ask, asking plus believing equals receiving. It's like, I, I'm going to ask, but if I don't believe, I'm probably not going to get. John said, you ask amiss because you ask not the Father's will. And so if I ask and believe, or if I just believe but I never ask, it's like God knows what you have need of, but he wants you to ask for it. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. So if I ask plus believe, 
Now I start to receive. And if I increase my capacity on any one of those things, if I just start asking for things like the little widow woman who went to the judge who was unjust, and all of a sudden the judge said, just give her whatever she wants. I'm starting to ask, but now I match believing with the Lord. I'm believing it's going to take place. Like I understand maybe it's not taking place right now, but I, I'm asking. And then all of a sudden I start to receive those good and perfect gifts that comes down from the Father of lights from above. Why? Because I have the secret formula that everybody can know, ask, believe, and then receive Jesus taught it to us. But he says one thing, and that's number two, if you do not doubt in your heart. I like what Jesus says here because it's not about just doubting, like you can't doubt, don't, don't, don't doubt. It's more about don't doubt in your heart. See, we look at things and we, we wonder, like, we, we measure probably as Christ followers, more importantly, probably as American citizens, we measure success different ways. And God maybe measures success differently than we do. But Jesus right here isn't necessarily saying, don't doubt. He's just saying, don't doubt in your heart. Now, I know growing up, we learn spiritually that, man, it's like, it's really, doubt means, you know, fear, and fear contradicts faith, and I'm not disregarding any of that. I don't want to mess up your theology if you're a longtime believer, but Jesus, just talking about Jesus, I'm not talking about pastor so-and-so or evangelist who-and-who, -who. I'm talking about Jesus. He carries a little bit more weight, right? Jesus says, do not doubt in your heart. What's he saying? He's, what happens is the enemy comes to our head. Different things come to our head. And if we allow this knowledge to come manifest itself here, then we've basically turned our back on the Lord. But you're going to entertain some things. I don't know if this is going to work out or not. Just leave it up here, knowing that in your heart, my faith, hope, trust, belief, and confidence is in God, the creator of the universe. See, when doubt comes in, it's going to enter in, but that's where Satan, that's his entry point. You might see something, and it doesn't look good. You might hear something, and it doesn't look good. You might think something, and it doesn't look good. Oh, I'm going to get laid off. Oh, it's not going to work out. Or I'm going to get the virus. Or this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. All of a sudden, doubt comes in, doubt comes in, doubt comes in. And then when you let it sink down here, that's where it happens. If we're not careful, that's where depression enters in and those things. Why? Because we start to mix our faith with fear. It happened to Adam and Eve in Genesis, the second chapter. The enemy, the serpent, comes to Eve, and he says this, did God really say? See, what's he doing? He's trying to strike up a manner of doubt. Did God really say that? And Eve said, well, you know, actually you can eat from every tree in the, in the garden, uh, whatever, you know, nevertheless, we can't eat from, we can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's that word there, Nevertheless, once your installation says, nevertheless, we can't eat from the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Whoa, 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 wait a second. All of a sudden now, the enemy's captured on that. But you, but you can. God just knows that you'll be like him. And so they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we, sin enters in. Now we go to another garden a few thousand years later, and it's Jesus in that garden. And it's in Matthew 26 chapter. And the Bible says that Jesus is sweating as if it were drops of blood. Some translations say crying as if it were drops of blood. And he says, Father, if, if I could, if you let this cup pass from me, 
Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Here's what happened. Eve and Adam let that doubt go from their head to their heart. They actually believed what the serpent said over, over what God said. Jesus says, no, I, I may have doubt up here. It may be that I don't want to take that cross. That's okay. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. See, when we understand that doubt will transfer from the mind to the heart, that's where we have to cut it off. You sometimes just have to rebuke your thoughts. Sometimes you, your heart just has to tell your head to shut up. Just stop, just stop it right there. It's not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to work. Job said this, though he slay me, nevertheless, yet I will trust him. We learned about it in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks in, in some way, shape, or form. And all of a sudden they said, he may deliver us, he may not, but we're not going to bow to you, king. That's not what we're about. And then all of a sudden, who shows up in the fiery furnace? A fourth person likened unto the Son of God. What are we saying? It's okay in your mind to say, wait a second, I'm not sure this is going to work out. Jesus is saying, keep it there. Don't doubt in your heart. Why? Because that's where Jesus lives. And if he lives in our heart, we don't want that doubt pushing him out. When we, we want to push the doubt out so that when we, when we say, no, 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 my, my faith is sound. And this is a maturity factor. This is a way that we can grow. We understand that when we speak to that mountain and we don't doubt in our heart. Can I explain this to you? Maybe that mountain isn't that other person. Maybe that mountain isn't that other situation. Maybe that mountain isn't whatever you're approaching. Maybe that mountain is right here. Maybe the mountain is I got to stop thinking with my head and start thinking with my heart. I got to stop reacting with my head and start reacting with my heart. I got to start thanking God that he is doing for me what he said he would do. When we start to look at situations and conditions, Jesus said, stop worrying about tomorrow. Plan for it. Solomon said, plan for it. You should plan for it. Plan for retirement. I hope you make it. But here's what we need to do. We need to start living for today. Lord, you've given me breath today. You've given me life today. You've given me strength today. My bills are paid today, or they're going to be paid later today, or they're going to be paid tomorrow. I'm working. I'm not working today. I'm going to be working tomorrow. Whatever it is, you need to start to see some positivity in the things that you woke up today. God woke you up. He's in charge of your life. He must have a job for you to do. The fact that you came in and worshiped today might have been part of why you needed to wake up today. Hey, I'm just going to worship God today. But I'm not going to doubt in my heart. I like what the, Jesus is saying right here. Do not doubt. And we've convicted people over the years. You can't doubt. Don't you walk around doubt. Like they lack faith if they have any doubt. Now, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm saying it's better off that you don't have any doubt. But if you have blind faith, that's a good thing as long as it's not sloppy faith. I was either agree or disagree. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll move on. See, I'm not, again, I'm not encouraging that the pastor says it's okay to doubt. Doubt can be reason. Doubt can be wisdom. Doubt can be uh, challenging things. I'm not sure, uh, you know, but don't doubt in your heart. When it comes to God things, when it comes to Scripture, I'm not going to doubt in my heart. Is what the Bible says to do, I'm going to do it. The Bible says not to do it, I'm not going to do it. Bible says stay away from it. I'm going, to stay, I'm going to stay away from it. Bible says I need to love everybody. I'm going to love everybody. Bible says treat everybody the same. I'm going to treat everybody the same. I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, non-affiliated, independent. 
I'm going to treat everybody the same. Why? Because the Bible tells me to. I'm not going to doubt in my heart. I think God knows better than Mark Dolphins does. You should have all said amen at that one because that would have been a great place to say, yeah, amen, because you're not even convicting yourself on that one. Hear me. Do not doubt in your heart, church. Get it. Get it. Do not doubt in your heart. Which leads us to point number three then. We have to be thankful and we have to forgive. And in a week of thanksgiving, over the next, you know, five to ten days, you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. And you might celebrate it like Janie said. You might celebrate it via FaceTime or Zoom. You might celebrate it across the table from somebody. You might celebrate it, in, in, you know, hopefully respectfully and, and healthy, however you celebrate it. But the whole goal of Thanksgiving is to understand that we're uh, thankful for things in our life. I read Janie an article today out of the USA Today newspaper. And here's what the article said. In, in, uh, it was written in November. The article said, in March, we knew there was a pandemic. And since March, we've lost over 200,000 lives. And we want you to be thankful this Thanksgiving. We want you to understand that this pandemic's not done. Be careful. Be careful how you do Thanksgiving. And articles goes on. And then the USA Today said they were quoting the Omaha World Herald 1918 when the Spanish flu came through. You think God is surprised by any of this? Not at all. Listen, what goes around comes around. Read Ecclesiastes. What goes around comes around. We have to know that our faith is in God and we're going to be thankful to God for things just the way they are. We're going to be thankful. And listen, the thing that works hand in hand with thankfulness is forgiveness. And I have a hard time being thankful if I'm hanging on to unforgiveness. If I'm not forgiving somebody or some situation or even myself for something that happened or something that I did, I have to ask God to forgive me. I have to forgive me. I have to forgive others. I have to forgive God. And when I can forgive and walk in complete forgiveness, I can be thankful to the King of Kings. Come on back, worship team. I can be thankful for what God did. I can be thankful for who God is in my life. I can be thankful for being able to worship because then thankful moves from being self-centered and self-righteous to Christ-centered and Christ-righteous. Hear me. When I hang on to something that I feel like I'm not going to think of, forgive those people, they've wronged me, they're, no, they're in the wrong, all of a sudden I can't be as thankful as I need to be because Jesus said, okay, in that scripture, hey, while you're doing this, you need to forgive because your Father in heaven is watching. How can you be thankful if you're a hypocrite on the inside not being forgiving? So here's what I want you to do. Stand with me right where you're at. Every single person, if you're at home and you want to stand, go ahead and stand in your living room or in your kitchen, your back porch, wherever you're listening from, just stand for a minute. And I want you to just close your eyes if you're okay doing that. I don't want you to think of a couple things that you can be thankful for. And, you know, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your, your, your home, your job, your, your family. Maybe it's friends or your local church or community which you live in. I want you to be thankful. Just be thankful. Because here's what happens when we fall out of thankfulness, we start to do things that we don't want to do. And if we fall and say, I can't forgive that person, or I'm not, no, I'm hanging on to that. If we walk in forgiveness, forgiveness is very freeing. 
It's very, very freeing. Unforgiveness is very binding. It becomes bitter. So I want you, as we sing this next song, I want you to start thinking of things or ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that I, I'm hanging on to that, that I haven't forgiven someone for? I haven't forgiven myself. I haven't forgiven God. I haven't forgiven, you know, a friend or a family member, a past acquaintance or somebody that something, somebody did something to me or said about me that I needed to forgive. I need to let that go. Now, forgiving isn't always forgetting, but when we forgive, it helps us to be thankful. And when we're thankful, it opens up the gateway of heaven. It opens up a release in heaven that all of a sudden, as we're working on ourselves, things start working out in our life. Because the one person that you truly can change, the one mountain that you truly can move, is that mountain that's within you. Is that change that's within you. And as you change, everybody around you starts to change. Father, I pray right now, as hands are lifting up to praise you, as hands are lifting up to worship you, I pray right now, Father, you give us a spirit of thanksgiving. And you give us a spirit of forgiving. That we can truly forgive anybody that's maybe wrong with us. We can truly forgive anybody that's maybe said something.
yesterday, if we can make it be that simple and say, God, I'm just going to trust you. My faith is in you, and I know you're going to take care of it. Amen. What a great word. Well, we love you all so much, and everybody watching online, we love you. We, we count it a privilege and an honor that we get to get together, or if we can't be together, that we can see you online and we can say we love you and and we love everybody here we're just so grateful and and to say i'm thankful for grace church is just such an understatement um we love y'all so much we're just we count it such an honor and a privilege to to get to do what we do and be with you and we know that god has this this is not too big for him this anything so we just hope y'all have such a great thanksgiving and as you sit around your dinner table just say, God, I'm so thankful for it. We do that sometime in our home. We'll just kind of go around the room and say, give me one thing you're just so thankful for this year. Maybe that's different than last year. So be thinking about that. Just say, I am so thankful for. And I'm so thankful for his faithfulness. I'm so thankful that he makes a way every time for us. Where maybe it seems like it's going to be a hard year or something's going to be impossible. He just comes through. He's just faithful. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you and I bless you. I thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. I thank you that you are great. And as all the songs we sang about that said, how great you are, we say that. How great is our God? How great is your faithfulness? How great you are in every situation in our lives? We just want to say thank you. We want to be the one that come back with the talents that were given they didn't run off and do stuff, but they came, the one came back and just said, I want to say thank you. I want to be that person that just says, thank you, God. Thank you, Father. I'm so thankful. Lord, I pray blessings upon every person, upon their business, upon their lives, upon their jobs, upon their health, anybody fighting the virus right now. We just declare that by the stripes on Jesus' back, they've already been healed. So we speak healing over that, over any situation that they're going through, any sickness in their body, we declare healing. Financially, those that are in need of a miracle, we declare that you are Jehovah Jireh, that your provision shall be seen in their lives. Over their anxiety, we declare the God of peace over every situation, restoration, whatever it is. We thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory for you are a good, good father. We love you today and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you all so much. Be blessed and we will see you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.